the area where we live sits between the shadows of the cocaine-fueled glitzy Hamptons estates and New York City's gritty disco party culture. Songs like Devo's Whip It and Donna Summer's Bad Girls blast through the car courtesy of WABC Music Radio 77 AM. Gas is leaded, and the air is filthy. Long Island lacks a decent public transportation system. To get anywhere, you need either a car or a good pair of shoes. Our shoes aren't the best. Our car is worse. My mother's thick armrest on the driver's side window ledge of her rusty, gas-guzzling Impala, the kind you buy for $75 out of a junkyard. Her wild hair blows around the car as she flicks her cigarette into the sticky July morning. The ashes boomerang back and through the window, threatening to fly into my eyes and mouth in frantic gusts. Squinting tightly and pursing my lips hard, I know better than to mention it. My seven-year-old baby sister, Rosie, our brother, Norman, who's 12 but still passes for an eight-year-old when we sneak into movie theaters, and me, Regina Marie Calcaterra, age 13, personal facts and well accustomed to giving to strangers like social workers and the police, are smushed into the back seat. Like most of our rides, the car suffers from ball tires, broken mirrors, and oil dripping from the motor. If I lift up the mats, I can see the broken pavement move beneath us through the holes in the rear floor. We rarely travel the main roads like the Southern State, Sunrise Highway, or the Long Island Expressway. For Cookie, that's what we call my mom, the scenic route is the safest because she's always avoiding the cops. Cookie has more warrants out on her than she has kids, and there are five of us. Her offenses, where to start? She's wanted for drunk driving, driving with a suspended license and an unregistered vehicle, stolen license plates, bounced checks to the landlord, utility company, and liquor store totaling hundreds of dollars, stealing from her bosses on the rare occasion she gets work as a barmaid, and four-hour truancy. And if there is such a thing as a warrant for sending her kids to school with her heads full of lice, we could add that to the list, too. In the car, we don't speak. It's not by choice. It's actually impossible to hear one another above the loud grunting of the Impala and its broken muffler. Embarrassed by the car's belches, I slump down in the back seat. In the front seat next to Cookie, my older sister Camille's doing pretty much the same thing. But if our mother detects our attitude we'll find ourselves suffering nasty bruises. The only comfort is the physical space we now have to actually fit in the car without piling on top of one another, as we had to for years. That's thanks to the fact that, at age 17, our oldest sister, Sherry, has finagled an escape by moving in with her new husband and his parents, since she's expecting a baby soon. In the back seat, Rosie, Norman, and I stay occupied, scratching our bony, bug-bitten legs and comparing who is the most bites and biggest scabs. We take turns pointing to them as Rosie uses her fingers as scorecards to rate them on a scale of 1 to 10. There's never really a winner. We're all pretty itchy. None of us bothers hollering to ask where we're going. With all our belongings packed in garbage bags in the trunk, we know we're headed to a new home. Our short-term future could take many forms, a trailer, a homeless shelter, the back parking lot of a supermarket, in the car for a few weeks, in Cookie's next boyfriend's basement or attic, or dare we dream, an apartment or house. We know better than to expect much. To us, running water and a few old mattresses is good living. We've managed with a lot less. Most girls my age idolize their 16-year-old sisters, but Camille is my co-captain in our family survival. 
She's the only person in my life who's totally transparent, and we need each other too much for any sisterly mystique to exist. For years, the two of us have worked to set up each new place so that it feels at least something like a home, even though we never know how long we might stay there. We just rest easier knowing, at nightfall, that the younger ones have a safe spot to rest their heads, together, without Cookie, if we can control that. Cookie puts the brakes on our wordless games when she pulls into a semicircular driveway, gravel crunching under the tires. We're met by the image of a gray, severely neglected two-story shingled house surrounded by dirt, dust, and all weeds. There are no bushes, no flowers, no greenery at all. But the lack of landscaping draws a squeal from me. No grass! Rosie and Norman smile and nod.